Do you dread tax time because you haven't saved enough for taxes? Are you totally confused and lost about your business finances? Do you worry that you'll never be able to retire or save for your kid's college education? If you bury your head in the sand because you think you'll never be a money person, I want to let you in on a huge secret. All you need to manage your private practice finances are a simple series of skills that you can learn. After all, you already did the hard work of graduating from college, becoming a therapist, and starting your private practice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Bonham. I'm a therapist turned money coach and the creator of Money Skills for Therapists. I've helped hundreds of therapists just like you develop peace of mind about their money. I invite you to watch my free masterclass where I teach my four-step framework to get your business finances totally in order. In the masterclass, I cover the three biggest mistakes that therapists make that keep them from getting clarity on their private practice finances, the secret that most accountants don't want you to know, and why working with your mindset and emotions is essential to changing your patterns with money. This masterclass is for therapists and health practitioners who are running or about to start a private practice. It is the first step in learning about my signature course, Money Skills for Therapists. Register today with the link in the show notes to take the first step to go from money confusion, anxiety, and shame to feeling clear and empowered about your money. I look forward to supporting you. If you don't know how much your fixed monthly expenses are, how much your variable expenses are, if you don't know what your bottom line is, you're really doing yourself a disservice um, and your business as well. Because cash is like the oxygen of a business. It Mm -hmm. needs it to live. Mm -hmm. So if you either, if you deprive your business of money, it's not going to survive. And that's, that's not good for you, but it's also not good for the community that you serve. Welcome to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast, where we answer this question. How can therapists and health practitioners go from money shame and confusion to feeling calm and confident about their finances and get money really working for them in both their private practice and their lives? I'm your host, Lindsay Bonham, therapist turned money coach and creator of the course Money Skills for Therapists. Hello, and welcome back to the Money Skills for Therapists podcast. So the podcast has been out in the world now for two weeks. And we're starting to get some reviews come in. And I wanted to share one of those today before we dive into our episode with accountant Julie Harris. So a review that came across uh, from Deborah uh, about the podcast. She shared, the podcast has been such a blessing and is so needed. The strategies have been helpful and Lindsay's eloquence, empathy, and constructive approach is so refreshing. This topic is so needed. Thank you, Deborah, so much for your review. Uh, and if you're listening, please jump over and review the podcast um, on Apple Podcasts specifically. That is the way for us to get more eyes, well, ears specifically, um, on this podcast for therapists and health practitioners who also want to hear more about money. So today's episode is with accountant Julie Harris. So therapists and health practitioners and accountants, we tend to occupy different ends of the universe, it can feel like. And I've had so many therapists tell me that even though they're professional communicators, communicating with an accountant can be so difficult and intimidating. So Julie, I've sat down with her a couple times before. She is such a lovely, approachable accountant. And today we're going to dig into some questions 
of profitability in private practice, some of the biggest mistakes that she sees therapists making in private practice, and the value of knowing your numbers from her accounting perspective. She even gives us one thing that private practice owners can do right away to improve their financial situation. So Julie owns Green Oak Accounting. It is accounting firm specifically targeted at therapists. They serve therapists all over the United States. And she always has so much to say in a very accessible way. Very refreshing. So without further ado, here's Julie. So Julie, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So Julie, something that you probably know about therapists and health practitioners already is a lot of us are really intimidated by accountants. Uh, I know it's shocking, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, like sometimes it, it almost feels like this, like gap of like two different cultures sure. and like, we don't know how to talk to each other. So I'm really glad to have you here today because not only are you an accountant who I'm going to, you know, ask you some questions and, and let our listeners have some time with you, but you're an accountant who specializes in working with therapists and mostly mental health therapists. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you, you kind of bridge that gap a little bit that often therapists feel like are there. I think so. And I like to, to think that my heart, uh, my team has the heart of a teacher, right? And I, I think that's one of the, the the advantages of working with us is that we know how to kind of bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. And in the sense yeah. that like we're going to start building the blocks over time of financial knowledge so that you a, a therapist can understand what's going on in their business because they should. Yeah. I, and I love that. And I think that really hits on like a key problem that therapists have that like you're solving and, and I'm solving. And like, thankfully there are people like us who are trying to solve it, which is that like, we just are never taught these things. So there is a lot of learning to do. Yeah. It's such a blind spot where you start your own business and you might know therapy really well, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, the, the business side. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just so much to it. You've got to, I, I truly believe every practice should be profitable uh, because you deserve to make money doing your, your God-given talent. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to uh, have it not be profitable if you, uh, if you don't know what you're doing. Yes. Um, So, I mean, moving into that, Julie, I'm curious, like, what are some of the common mistakes that you see private practice owners making when it comes to money? I would say probably number one is just not knowing your numbers. Mm -hmm. I would say the most common mistake is just not knowing your numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's easy to just put your head in the sand and not really look and, and think if I don't look at the problem doesn't exist, but not knowing what's going on financially in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that doesn't mean that you need to become an accountant or become an expert at anything, but if you don't know how much money is coming into the business, if you don't know how much your fixed monthly expenses are, how much your variable expenses are, if you don't know what your bottom line is, you're really doing yourself a disservice mm-hmm. um, and your business as well, because cash is like the oxygen of a business. It Mm -hmm. needs it to live. Mm -hmm. So if you either, if you deprive your business of money, it's not going to survive. And that's, that's not good for you, but it's also not good for the community that you serve. Yeah. That would be one of the big mistakes that I see often. I've got a lot more. How many do you want? Oh, like so many keep going. So many. Okay. Mistake number two, I would say not saving for taxes. Um, Taxes are inevitable life and life and uh, death and taxes are, are two certainties in life. Um, and so from the very beginning, you've got to be saving for taxes. And one of the reasons this often happens is if someone's transitioning from being an employee 
to being a business owner, when you're an employee, the taxes are already taken out of your paycheck, right? And your employer remits those to the government, all is well. You might owe a little bit at the end of the year, but nothing crazy. But when you're a business owner, depending on the legal entity, you may not have paid anything in taxes. And so you're taking money home thinking, oh, this is all mine, but really it's not, right? 25%, 30%, 40% of that might actually be the government's money. Um, And so it's one of those cases too, where you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not thinking ahead and planning for that, because that is coming at some point, you're going to owe those taxes. And I'd much rather someone be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Even if they're just a little bit short, it's still better than in your second year of business, catching up from the mistake of the first year and trying to get ahead for year two. That's so, so, so hard. Um, Yeah. So really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. We call that like, kind of like the, uh, the tax cycle where it's like, once you get behind, you're trying to pay back the past, but you're also trying to save for now. And often what I see people do is they prioritize that past payment because that's the one that has interest. And that's the one that has emotional weight. You need to cover that, but then you still don't save for the future. And you're just going to be in the exact same spot a year from now. Exactly. And you're not paying the estimated taxes. Mm -hmm. Um, And even with a a payment plan, right? So sometimes if you you have a big, big payment owed and you don't have enough money, you can set up a payment plan, but that's going to take you years to pay down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just this this vicious cycle where it just gets harder and and harder. Mm -hmm. Um, So planning that from the beginning is always, always, always a good recommendation. Absolutely. Um, I also think one of the, one of the mistakes I see often is waiting too long to get help. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily in accounting, although it certainly does apply, but when starting a business, it's kind of natural to want to bootstrap everything and just do it on the cheaper. You're bootstrapping your own website and you're, you're doing your own billing um, and you're doing your own bookkeeping and answering all the phones. Right. And, and, and for a certain period of time, that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's good to know how to do those things, but there comes a time where you're going to burn out from yeah. doing all the things. And financially, it's actually more efficient for you to give those tasks to someone else. Like if you're not, if you're returning calls two days later, because you don't have time, just ha- paying someone $15, $20 an hour to answer calls either live or return phone calls within a couple of hours, that's just going to be money well spent because you're, it's going to increase your number of clients. It's going to increase your revenue coming into the business and decrease the time it takes you to take, to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, going back to your saying about knowing your numbers, that's where knowing your numbers, you can start to make those kinds of strategic decisions. That's a strategic decision, right? And I think for private practitioners, we have this real thing with bootstrapping, like more than so many other industries where we just start from nothing and then we just try to make everything happen from nothing. Um, from nothing in terms of financially, we often start with like, no, we don't get loans in our industry. Like, even though like, if you're going to start a restaurant, you go, you get like $150,000 loan. Sure. In, in our industry, you start a private practice and you just like try to fund it from your bank account, which if you can, that's great. Or a lot of people put stuff on their credit cards or just pay from it from their personal money. Like, and so you know, that piece about knowing your numbers, that makes you, lets you make those really smart decisions, as you say, that's like a better use of your money because you're actually going to make more money for having made that decision. Yeah. And in this day and age, uh, in this virtual world, it's so easy to get a virtual assistant. That's not even going to be full-time for you, right? Mm-hmm. You might hire someone five hours a week, but if you are charging $150 per session, and that may be high for some areas, low for some areas, but if you're charging 150 per session and hiring someone again at $20 an hour gets you even one additional client mm-hmm. on your calendar, like you've made a lot of money in yes. that 
in that time. So freeing you up to see additional clients and then just also making getting that revenue in, same thing. But guys, the same can apply certainly to your accounting, right? If you're DIYing it and missing stuff, missing deductions, filing your tax return wrong, that can be really costly to fix. Yes. I've seen it plenty of times where it would have been cheaper to do it right the first time with a professional than mm-hmm. to fix the, the mistake. Yes. Um, but a website isn't an, an example I like because I am very crappy at updating my website. I like, I'm just, that is not one of my talents. Mm-hmm. And so I might spend five hours working on something and my awesome admin will go do it in 20 minutes. So like, I know I should not have been spending my time doing that. Right. And like, that was not efficient too. Like I think health practitioners, particularly we're used to being very competent, like the work mental health professionals do, especially and that's the work I know best. So I can speak to it. Like you're used to being so on the ball and so able to like solve these problems that other people would run away screaming if, you know, they had to do the work that we do. And I think that leads to kind of this blindness where we believe that we're the ones who need to do that thing, that we could do our website better than somebody else. Or like, we need to be the ones returning phone calls. And it's a very costly belief. It really is. And and that's not to say that you shouldn't know how to make a minor update on your website, Mm -hmm. but, but that doesn't mean you need to know all the inner, inner workings of it. Like that's not an efficient use of, of your time or my time, in my case, my time. Yes. Uh, but it's also not something that like, I'm never going to go start a website company because I am not good at it. Yes. Um, and so like, so, so trusting the professionals to do their work is, is, is a good idea here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm hearing also financially, it's a better decision to do it that way much yeah. of the time. Usually they're going to be just a professional is going to be much more efficient at it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to give you one more. I think it's very, very common when going from solo practice owner to group practice, Mm. paying that first hire too much. I've seen it over Mm. and over and over again. Like I cannot tell you how many times I've seen that. Mm -hmm. And it comes from such a place of kindness and wanting to lift others up and do right by other people. Right. It comes from a place of I've worked for someone else and I hardly made anything and it didn't feel good. And so Mm -hmm. I want to give them as much as I possibly can. So it it comes from a very good place, but when adding one clinician, typically you don't need more physical space. If you, if you even have an office anymore, you need very little additional overhead. You might have a EHR subscription, an email subscription, right? Those costs are minimal Mm -hmm. and you, you, you typically are not going to need to all of a sudden add a full-time admin just because you add one person. So you're probably still taking the calls, doing some of the intake, doing the billing, but that's not sustainable long-term, right? So while the, while those numbers might work for the first clinician, if you're not mm-hmm. thinking of where am I ending up in one, three, five years, mm-hmm. and what support am I going to need to, to sustain that kind of a team, you're paying someone too much because there you haven't built in the full-time admin, the biller, the additional physical space and all the other pieces that come along with having a group practice. And it's very fair for that to be paid for by other people's money, right? You shouldn't be having to work harder to pay for everyone else's overhead yes, um, and be losing money on each session that your clinicians see. So, yeah. Right. And so I'm really curious, Julie, like, is there a magic number that you do suggest for people who are starting to hire clinicians under them as employees or subcontractors? Like, is it a split? What do you suggest? Well, so there's a, there's a lot of different ways uh, that clinicians can be compensated, but just generally speaking for a, a large group practice, we look for no more than 55% of 
gross income to be going to clinician payroll. Mm. Um, and so there's some, there's sometimes like right now it's a very tight uh, labor market. It's very hard to hire. We're seeing that number sneak up, but that usually means it's going to be reduced somewhere else. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is not every single person needs to be at 55%, right? But you're going to have some more experienced people who might be a little bit higher, but typically mm. that's going to also be offset with less experienced people right. at lower rates. Because if everyone on your team is an 80, 80% split, there just is not any room for profit. Like there literally is, is no room and chances are that you're losing money on each session. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so average is, that's kind of where we like to see that, including, including payroll tax too. Right. Okay. That's, so that yeah. includes payroll tax. So that doesn't that necessarily mean tax. they have a 55, 45 split with you. That means at the end of the day after payroll. Yes. So if costs. they were a contractor where no taxes are withheld, they might be at a 55% split. Okay. But if they're an employee, they might be at a 50% split because mm. after payroll taxes, that costs you about 55. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And if you wanted to add benefits, you might want to even adjust that a little bit as well. Okay. Okay. Great. That's, that's a very helpful guideline. So Julie, what is one thing that private practice owners listening today, what's one thing that they could do to improve their financial situation like right away? Right away. I would say reverse engineer your lifestyle. Mm. Um, and what I need, mean by that is a lot of times when we onboard a new client, we'll ask them like, how, how much money are you looking to take home per month from the business? Mm. And a lot of times they don't actually know what that that is. Yeah. And there's always the you know, want, I want to be taking home 50,000 per month. Right. And that's all well and good, but like, what do you actually need? Like, what does it take to sustain your household to pay your, your mortgage, your rent, your car, your uh, kids activities, what all the minimum things there's, there's a kind of nice to have and good to have, right. Those mm. are, to me, those are two different numbers, but a lot of times people don't know any, either one of those. No. And so if we start there, we can do the math on what does that mean in your, in your business? How many sessions per month, per day, uh, per week, mm. right? Like we can, we can break it down in a really granular way mm-hmm. that doesn't seem so overwhelming. Yeah. So we just need the information for, uh, for that. I was just reading a book by Tim Ferriss. Uh, I think it's four, four hour work week. And he yeah, talks yeah. about like, what's your dollar amount per day that you need to survive. And I thought that was really mm-hmm. interesting because I, I typically will have looked at it by month, Yeah, me too. Uh, but even per day, if you need whatever it may be, $125 per day, like that's not overwhelming at all. Can I go make $125 right. today? Yeah, I can definitely do that. Right. Oh. So, so um, I don't know that that's not necessarily my, my number, but I, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting way to, to look at it. But so if we, if we can just focus in on that, then that also tells us like, what is the next thing that you need to do today in your business, right? So if you need, if you need, for example, a hundred sessions per month and you're currently aiming or you're currently projecting, you're going to have 75, Mm -hmm. then you need, then, you know, okay, I've got to do some marketing activities today. Like we need to get more people in. Yes. And if you're projecting for 125, then your activity might be, okay, it's time to hire. Or like what, who's going to see all these, uh, mm. all these clients. So, so knowing what that threshold is can yeah. be helpful in so many different ways. Yeah. I love that. Cause it, it really demystifies, it demystifies the, the business and our fees and our client hours. And, and I do the same thing with my students. I'm a firm believer. I'm right with you. And like, there's real numbers here. There's real numbers. Like we don't have to set a random fee based on what people around us are doing. We don't have to see the same amount of clients that other people are seeing. Like there's actually a number that supports your life. And when you know that number, as you say, you can then make your business support that, like fund your life. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was talking to a client a couple of weeks ago and 
she is a sole practice owner that wants to stay that way mm-hmm. um, and is consistently full every, every mm-hmm. week, always, always, always full. So we mm-hmm. were talking about, okay, well, she would like to be taking home a little bit more money. And a year ago, that wasn't the case. She wasn't always full, but now that she always is like, okay, how about you raise your rate $20 an hour? Mm-hmm. Like that look, and, and we can look at the numbers, look at the difference this does when you don't have employees, like you can see more clients or raise your rate. Like those yes. are kind of the main two things. You can certainly control expenses. Like that's always a good thing, but there comes a point where there's only so many more places to cut without you spending a whole lot of time doing something manually. And so, you know, just revert knowing, Hey, I want more. How do I get there? Like that's, that's a fun exercise to do mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that too. Cause I think that also that that's asking therapists and health practitioners to do something that we don't naturally do first, which is like, think about your needs first, right? This business is funding your life. Like the point is that you're, it's paying for your home and your life and your kids' activities, as you say. And I think as, as therapists, we can get so focused on our clients and our clients' needs that when, you know, when they come at that question of like, well, what should I charge? They're like, well, people don't have money or, you know, like, oh, I need to see as many people as I can. Cause people, we think about their needs first. And often they're kind of made up needs. They're stories that we have rather than thinking about the fact that the business is, is supposed to be supporting us. This is like the work we're doing to make money in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And and that I think that's a limiting belief, right? Of I I don't think people will pay. Mm-hmm. And it is possible mm-hmm. that if you raise your rate, some clients will leave, right? Yes. It is possible. I uh, but then they will likely be replaced with clients who also equally need you and can afford mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. pay your fee. Yes. And and of course, like I'm pro- I'm probably a little bit less emotional. I'm an accountant, like that's just. <laughs> Kind of my 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 viewpoint, but but to me, like part of our our job as the accounting team is to say, like, hey, you deserve to make more money. You have one more year of experience than last mm-hmm. year, right? Like you, and, and and also to normalize, like it's okay to make a good living running your private practice. Like that is mm-hmm. a very okay thing to do. You deserve to be able to pay for everything, and then some. If you want to go on a nice vacation, you should you should be able to do that. Like you are very talented, you're very educated and there, there has to be profit in your practice or else why are, why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for people who are maybe DIYing their finances right now, and um, they're wondering about whether or not they need help, like what's your suggestion? What, in what cases should health practitioners, therapists be DIYing our bookkeeping and our accounting? And when should we look to hire somebody like you to get help? Yeah. So I think in the very beginning, the bootstrapping is not a bad thing, right? I think if you have a financially focused mind, like if you can get the work done and you will do it consistently. Mm-hmm. Learning how to do your own books is really a good thing to understand how the mechanics work, what's taxable, what's not taxable, like how all the different pieces work. I think that will serve you well in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, if, if you're really good at that, I would still always team up with an accountant for your taxes. Yes. I just think it, as a business owner, there's just a lot more complication to your taxes. And I've just seen too many errors to suggest that anyone try to DIY. Like if you're an employee, TurboTax all day long, like go for it, no judgment here. But if you have your own business, I really think you should work with with an accountant for for tax prep. So at least there's an annual opportunity for someone to look over what you've done, say, hey, you're doing this piece correctly, or this has changed, um, and, and, and kind of fix things. However, as you grow, I really think there's a tipping point 
certainly when, as you move into group practice, right, because there's a lot more complication, there's payroll, and there's just a lot of things that can go wrong with payroll, but you're, you're spending a lot uh, more time managing the business and having, mm. having something like that off your plate where you're still getting reports. You still have access to everything. You still know what's going on with your business, but you're not necessarily the one doing all the work. I think at, at the point of group practice, that should always be on the plan, unless yeah. you're someone who really, really, really enjoys. And like you were a CPA in a previous life, like then, <laughs> then maybe you knock yourself sure. out, right. Or your, uh, or your spouse is an accountant, like mm-hmm. then, then that might be a little bit different, but I, I think you, it's always beneficial to learn how to do, to do that just so that you, you know what you're looking at, but then, then just give it over to someone else as soon as you can afford to, because a bookkeeper and accountant is going to be able to do things more efficiently, but probably more accurately as well. Yeah. That's the thing I think with doing your own taxes, when you get, when you have a business, as you say, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Right. So you're, you're doing it and you don't realize that there's this whole benefit, this, you know, a tax benefit that you could be getting some money back that you don't even know about. So you've missed that opportunity or yeah, there's just, I, I, I know so little of what, you know, Julie. And I think that's part of wisdom, right. Is like knowing when to hand it over. Even I, who like loves bookkeeping and numbers and stuff. I work with an accountant. So Lindsay, can I reverse this on you and ask yeah. you what, what, when do you think it's time to, uh, when, when should someone DIY and when should they outsource? Yeah. Well, I'm the same page as you in terms of like, I think always have an accountant do your taxes. Okay. I I've had an accountant do my taxes for years, unless you get some sort of really deep satisfaction from taxes. And as you say, like you were a CPA in a former life <laughs> and you actually know, you know, all the loopholes and all the little quirks and tricks. So for the most part, I'd say almost always have an accountant do your taxes. But I think in terms of bookkeeping, I mean, like what I teach in my course, right, is it's important to have ownership over the numbers. And that's what it's all about. Like in, you know, I believe that like therapists and health practitioners should have the skills so that when we do get help with things, it's that we're delegating, not like giving up our power, Mm. right? Because I think so often, part of the reason I think so often that therapists also struggle with our our relationships with like accountants or bookkeepers is because we don't understand what they're saying. If they don't have like a teaching kind of philosophy, like your firm does, it's very disempowering. And when you have those interactions that are confusing, it just kind of reaffirms the negative story that many therapists have that they don't understand numbers and they're dumb about this stuff and they don't know what they're doing. And it just kind of is even more disempowering. So I'm a big fan of like, get your feet grounded in it, understand the basics of what are happening, the foundations, and then you can like hand it off, but like from a CEO empowered place rather than a, like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to give this big pile of receipts to somebody and hope that they're, they're doing right by me. Hope for the best. Yeah. 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 Cause many accountants are doing a great job for you, but yeah, there, there's a very different energy to handing it off as like an empowered delegating task rather than like giving up and hiding under your bed. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. (laughs) So Julie, I'm wondering what would be one piece of advice that you would give somebody listening who wants to start to improve their relationship with their finances? I think I have two. So I would say, don't be an ostrich, take your head out of, this, out of the sand and just look at what's going on. There is so much power um, in that knowledge and knowing what's what's happening in your business. So I would say face it head on. Mm-hmm. I would love for any practice owner to be looking at their numbers at least monthly because there's a lot of people who will just wait till the end of the year and then put everything together, you know, spend the whole weekend putting everything together. And that's good enough for, for taxes, right? So can you get your taxes done that way? 
Yes, absolutely. For compliance purposes, you can, but you're missing out on all the important data mm-hmm. um, that your business is trying to give you mm-hmm. if you're not looking at on a, on a regular basis. And if you have that information, it's just going to help you make data-driven decisions. Um, and and you know, in the business, that's a that's a really good thing. And I would also say, so my, my second piece of advice is a lot of times when uh, someone comes in to work with us or, or reaches out to us with a, for a consultation, they'll say something along the lines of, I don't understand what my current accountant is doing. They're, mm-hmm. they're telling me like, don't worry about it. I'll just take care of it. And I don't know what that means. Like, is it handled? Is it not handled? Do I need to do something? So I would say, uh, whether you work with with uh, my team or, or, or someone else, like mm-hmm. look for someone who's going to be a good fit for you. And if you you don't have a good fit right now, talk to someone else, right? There's a lot of different accountants out there. Um, and you just, ideally you want to work with someone who's going to spend the time explaining things to you mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense to you. That's that's going to, to meet you where you are. Um, and that might cost more. It probably will. Um, and you, if you just have a tax preparer and you need to reach out throughout the year, that's probably going to cost you as well. But having that person in your corner is just such a, a, a it should be an asset. You shouldn't dread reaching out to that person. And talk, And once you have that person, talk to them before you make big financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so before you open up a retirement plan, talk to them, see what the tax consequences are uh, or tax benefits. Like, is there something else that might work better for you before you get a loan or buy a building or even sell your business? Like, Talk to your accountant so that they can help guide you through those big decisions and maybe hopefully shine a light on, on perhaps something that was a blind spot otherwise. Right. Too. Yeah. Like when you have that person use the resource. Yes. Yes. Like yes. it's always worth reaching out to them. And that's why a lot of accounting firms, including mine have gone to a, a flat monthly fee model. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's in part because we don't want anyone to hesitate to reach out to us because it's going to cost them to mm-hmm. talk to us, like right. talk to your team. That's exactly what they're there for. Yes. And I feel like that ties right back into the number one you talked about, like not ostriching, right? Like looking at these things and thinking about them as you go helps you make better decisions. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for people who are uh, want to hear more from you. Where can they find you? Is there a social media channel you hang out on the most? Yes. So I would say go to greenoakaccounting.com. Uh, you can find out a whole lot about our services. You can even schedule a free consultation with my team. I also have a, a podcast uh, called Therapy for Your Money, where I talk about all things money and fi- finance for a private practice. So there's, uh, Lindsay, you were a guest recently. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so we have lots of great topics like compensation, uh, tax saving tips. Like there's just a whole lot of different things that you can get on there as well. Oh, so great. Awesome. So uh, you can check out the links for those in the show notes below and check out Julie's podcast. And thank you so much, Julie, for joining us today and showing us that uh, accountants aren't that scary. You're like really nice and pleasant. We're we're really nice. We're very, very nice. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Lindsay. It was a pleasure. Thank you. So something that I so appreciated in my conversation with Julie that actually almost caught me off guard a little bit when we were talking was that moment where she stopped and asked me what I thought about when people should delegate work to an accountant. And that is something that I so appreciate about Julie is that collaborative approach. Uh, She's told me before that their accounting firm, she's all about hiring accountants with the heart of teachers. You know, there's more of that open, communicative uh, back and forth. uh, And I always appreciate that when I talk to Julie. 
If you want to hear more from Julie, her link is in the show notes. She has her own podcast. If you go to greenoakaccounting.com, you'll see the link down below. You can get onto her podcast where she digs into private practice finances as well, but from that specific accountant perspective, which is definitely not my perspective. It's so great that we have people in the world who like to do different things and have different gifts. Uh, it makes all of our lives and businesses richer. If you would like to hear more from me, you can follow Money Nuts and Bolts on Instagram at Money Nuts and Bolts. The link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening today.